Let's welcome back our good friend Rabbi Yaakov Menken, Managing Director of the Coalition for Jewish Values, a frequent contributor on Newsmax TV, and a truly amazing guest and a very special person. Uh, Rabbi Menken, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me back. It is our privilege. Uh, so the ADL, as we know, is at war with Elon Musk, and it began really as soon as Musk purchased Twitter. The ADL launched a massive boycott. They were pressured advertisers to pull their ads, and Elon Musk says that that caused the value of the platform to plunge by billions of dollars. The ADL actually says that Elon Musk, I'm just giving a little background here. I know you know this, supports, uh, you know, his support of free speech has gone too far and has led to a spike in anti-Semitism. And Musk actually tweeted um, that the ADL is the one generating the anti-Semitism. So this is getting very ugly. And as usual, the Jewish community is sort of caught in the middle. So Rabbi Mankin, loaded question, but what are your thoughts on all of that? Well, we really are caught in the middle. Um, the Jewish community in, and, and Americans at large are the big losers in this fight uh, because they're both wrong. Uh, the ADL and, and there there are voices in the Jewish community, including the from Jewish community, that we should kind of circle the wagons. It's not the time to be critical of the ADL, etc. But the problem here is that the ADL really did, like you said, start this fight. As soon as uh, Musk took over the platform. You know, let's just scroll back. Remember what Twitter was like under its previous ownership. Uh, they were censoring tweets by Donald Trump, and then they banned him entirely off the platform. They were censoring the New York Post for sharing entirely true information about Hunter Biden's laptop, which everybody admitted to. And so while they were doing that, they were allowing the Ayatollah Khomeini of Iran free reign to say that Israel is a cancer that needs to be uprooted and destroyed. So preaching for genocide of Jews, that was okay. And actually, Israelis questioned Twitter on this, and they were kind of stunned with the response that Trump's tweets were dangerous, but Ayatollah Khomeini was just reflecting a, a political that, opinion. I'm sorry to interrupt. Twitter, a Twitter rep said that in the Knesset, which is just <clears throat> surreal. Great point. Absolutely. Absolutely. So the the ADL only objected when Musk took over the platform and said, I'm going to let everybody speak. This is going to be an open free speech platform. And so ever since then, and it was immediate that the ADL said, this is a problem. They went after Musk. They told Musk, no, you can't do it this way. And then they went to Musk's advertisers and said, you got to stop advertising on Twitter. Now, obviously, I can't tell you anything about the impact that the ADL had here, but there's no question that they did some portion of the damage. I, I, there were a lot of other players involved here also, um, but for whatever reason, you know, obviously uh, the ADL under Jonathan Greenblatt decided to go after Elon Musk and the platform. And now Elon Musk is firing back. Yes. Obviously the, pro the problem with that, if you want to go on, is yeah. that oh. Musk is uh, firing back by... He retweeted a hashtag and he actually retweeted the person or liked, I think it was a like that he gave to the hashtag ban the ADL. The problem is that the guy behind that hashtag, Keith Woods, is a self-proclaimed raging anti-Semite. So he's not interested in free speech. He's not interested in pushing back against the ADL. He's certainly not interested in the ADL returning to its original mission of fighting anti-Semitism. His goal is to shut down the ADL so that there shouldn't be anybody fighting anti-Semitism. 
because, you know, like it or not, the ADL has a reputation since 1913 of fighting anti-Semitism. And that's exactly, you know, our, our criticism of the ADL is exactly the opposite. It's we want the ADL to do what the ADL is supposed to be doing, which is fighting anti-Semitism and not do all the leftist nonsense. Yes, great points. And absolutely, Elon Musk, I do, do not condone Elon Musk, even though I think what he's done, as you said, uh, overall has been uh, phenomenally beneficial. Uh, the fact that he's aligning with, I mean, hate groups and groups, like you said, they, they, they don't have lofty ambitions. Their ambitions are disgraceful, troubling. It certainly is very alarming. Uh, what do you make of the fact that, you know, you're sitting here criticizing uh, the, the issues with the ADL? They're woke, they're leftist. Jonathan Greenblatt has taken that uh, organization, which was such a good organization, and really, really, I don't know, trashed it. I don't know how strong a word to use here. And what do you make of, of those within the Orthodox Jewish community who say, look, you don't realize how much the ADL does behind the scenes for every Jew, for Orthodox Jews, and by the way, not just behind the scenes, but even publicly, you know, so yes, for all the negative and for all the criticisms, which may be warranted and justified, uh, you may do more harm than good if you try to, you know, slam the ADL too hard. Well, th that's actually true in that, you know, the ADL certainly has, I think the most surprising thing that I that I heard from uh, CEO Jonathan Greenblatt is when he defended yeshivos and criticized the New York Times for going after them. That really is a surprise. The New York Times is broke left like he is, and he went after that very strongly, exactly. Uh, under his leadership, I mean, obviously he approved the hiring in New York of a Haredi liaison, an actual Hasidic guy, Yiddish speaker. They they never, uh, uh, totally from Yiddish speaker. I'm talking about like, you know, uh, completely uh, Hasidish head to toe in that really in the community. I'm not talking about some ex, whatever you want to call it, who still right. talks to the community. Oh no, this is a guy who's in the community and is purely a part of that community. And is a recognition that the Orthodox are the favored targets of hate crimes. So there is that good work that the ADL is continuing to do and which has actually increased under Greenblatt. So that's, uh, that's the good stuff to talk about. The problem is at the same time, He's got this partisan left-wing agenda where he's going after right-wing figures and groups. Tucker Carlson, uh, CPAC, the Conservative Political Action Conference, um, Libs of TikTok, Chayarajik, all three being described by the ADL as hateful, targeted by name, etc. Where's the page on Ilan Omar? Where's the page on Rashida Sleeve? It took him until 2021 to finally publish a piece saying, "We got it's time to admit the left has an anti-Semitism problem. Time to admit. I mean, we knew this in 2011. Where was he? Well said. Yeah, going after Chaya Rechik was, and like you said, Ilan Omar and Rashida Tlaib get a pass. And Chaya Rechik, who's literally a from Jew, who the, the the people that she supposedly is defaming are, are people who are doing who knows what to children. And she's out there trying to protect school children. And the Anti-Defamation League, you know, it, that was really definitely outrageous and troubling. I want to read you a thread, getting back to Musk for a moment, and all of your points are really, really well uh, described and articulate, and I really, very strong, very appreciative. Um, this is, somebody calls herself Adina Z on Twitter, and she is a seemingly conservative Twitter account. I'm not personally familiar with her, but she's alarmed at Elon Musk's behavior, Call you know, calls herself a proud Jew, and I have no doubt that she is. She says, quote, we're not safe relying on Elon Musk for anything. She says he's not a friend of the Jewish people, he partakes in conversations with far-right supremacists, I know you uh, addressed this as well, who have terrible intentions. 
And she said, every one of you knows, ban the ADL is a clarion call to take away whatever protections and political gain Jews have made in the last 50 plus years. If Musk cared about curtailing anti-Semitism, would people like Ayatollah Khomeini still be here uh, tweeting incitement and death threats against Jews in Israel? Would all the from the river to the sea mob who threatened to annihilate me and my people on a regular basis be here? Um, what are your thoughts about that? Free speech on Twitter is actually, there's a lot of positives to that. Because the FBI is able to follow these accounts and see when th- when they're t- trying to get together, when they're trying to act, when there's stuff going on behind the scenes that we don't even know about. Uh, we're better off with them being on Twitter than with somebody who's never willing to share with the FBI, no matter how obviously illegal the information being, you know, or, or potentially a hate crime in progress, you know, being shared. So there's actually some some real benefits to the open platform. I certainly look from my personal experience, I have not seen the hate get worse under uh, under uh, Musk. I, I'm not seeing Twitter turned into a more hateful platform than it was before. And certainly they sort of have an obligation to allow leaders of countries to use the platform. By the way, that applies even to Donald Trump. And that's exactly you know, that's exactly the point. That when Trump was being banned, it's ridiculous to have Khomeini on the platform. Now that Trump is not being banned and everybody's being allowed and all state leaders are being allowed on the platform, uh, it does make it sense it's at least defensible to allow Khomeini to have the platform also. Yeah, I agree. And uh, we've discussed this in the past. There's kind of like this struggle and this inverse relationship where the more free speech there is that's free speech for all so that's it's not less free speech for me and you but it's not free speech for the haters obviously within reason assuming that they're not you know uh, inciting violence or something like that so and you said and i agree with you that yeah i don't see more anti-semitism now and i'm curious about the data i know there's supposedly data out there but you go on youtube if you ever go on youtube and see any kind of content that has any remote connection to jews or to judaism the hatred on those comments, you'll just see comment after comment of vicious, vicious hatred. That's years and years. And YouTube, you know, they are not pro-free speech. They censor everything on the right. And uh, that right. was pretty astonishing. You always see the hate. You always see the anti-Semitism, the neo-Nazis and all of that. So I agree. So, But it's kind of like, yeah, the more censorship there is, then at least the more of a chance there is of also censoring the people who hate Jews. But like you say, you know, the overall, it's really hard to see an overall benefit in that situation. And you you made a great point about the FBI being able to track these people. And we know that that has led to a lot of arrests and a lot of, you know, times where they uncover and expose people before, before they're able to commit violence or other acts of hate. So there really is a limit, you know, but because, you know, it's, it's, you can't cry fire in a crowded theater, right? You can't actually threaten, I'm going to come kill you. That that does get a person banned on the platform, and it's appropriate the person gets banned off the platform. You know, I should point out there's an account, Connella Music. I don't even know what her her real name is, but she was suspended for pointing out that an anti-Semite was saying things that were anti-Semitic. So there really is the double standard is actually continuing. It's not done. It's not over. There's a lot to be improved, but you know, at the same time. Like you said, I mean, this is the, the hateful hashtag, for example. Uh, I don't know about you, but before I put a like on a tweet, I don't go investigate the background of that person. I don't blame Elon Musk, who's busy running three companies, that he should have gone and investigated who this guy was before liking the hashtag. 
But certainly now that there's been overwhelming publicity, it's time for him to have disavowed that pla- that hashtag or that, you know, the, the actor behind it and yes. say, you know, I'm not going to have a part of that. Is it, you know, there's, there's a story told, and I don't know if it's apocryphal or if it really happened. Rabbi Yosef Chaim Zonenfeld, it is rumored, was approached by the Mufti of Jerusalem before the creation of the state of Israel. And the Mufti said, we should be working together because we both oppose the Zionists. I oppose the Zionists and you oppose the Zionists. Why don't we work together? And Rabbi Yosef Chaim Zonenfeld apparently said to him, nothing doing because you don't like the Zionists because they're too Jewish. And I don't like them because they're not Jewish enough. Wow. So that, you know, now obviously that, that was not Regardless exactly his language. Or not, First of all, it wasn't in great, English. Great, great message. It wasn't in English. But yeah, but they, I mean, I, this is, uh, you know, but that's exactly where, this is where Elon Musk should have drawn the line. That, uh, albeit that the ADL really does have a problem, it really has been off mission. It's promoting LGBTQ, it's promoting harm to children, it's promoting abortion, it's doing all kinds of things which are completely off mission. And a lot of that is traceable to the fact that its CEO has a long history in progressive politics and progressive uh, organizations and businesses and zero previous experience with Jewish organizations or fighting anti-Semitism, at least according to his publicly available resume. You know, all the information we have, you know, he has never indicated that 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 he has the experience to be doing this job. And certainly it it, it looks like he has gone progressive or has taken the organization progressive, I should say. And yet this Musk's reaction is also bad. And we end up being the losers. As, yes, not the first time. By the way, I think it's Elon Musk. I think it's four or five companies, if I'm not mistaken. I know Starlink is in there, and I think there's a fifth somewhere. He's a busy, busy man, just to clarify that point. Um, question, do you think that the ADL is happy to be targeted by Elon Musk? Do you think this helps their narrative? They're sort of now get them play, getting to play the victim, baiting Elon Musk uh, to align himself uh, with anti-Semites. I don't think that they're happy with that. I mean, they they can't be happy with that if their mission is to fight anti-Semitism. Regardless of Elon Musk himself, there is no question that in the last couple of days, there has been an explosion of hate on the platform. Anti-Semites shouting and cheering for Elon Musk and Keith Woods. And certainly we didn't need this. And the ADL didn't need this. And the ADL doesn't need middle America turning against them. But- you know, it, it's a very unfortunate, I, I I really do hope, I mean, honestly, it's not like I have something against, I, I told Jonathan Greenblatt himself, that I don't have anything against him personally, as he's giving me an earful about the criticism that we have offered. He's aware of our criticism. And I said to him, this is, none of this is personal. This is about the ADL, and the ADL has a mission here. And I would love to see the ADL returning to that mission and speaking against anti-Semitism and, and remaining focused on that mission and not playing partisan politics, certainly not getting involved in woke priorities instead of fighting anti-Semitism. We've got so much of, a, of an explosion of anti-Semitism in any case that the ADL can't afford and certainly the Jewish community can't afford for them to be off mission in this way. But for them to be getting this type of criticism and this type of blowback, where it 
makes the entire Jewish community look targeted and bad. Now, I can't imagine anybody in the Jewish community is happy with this situation. Yeah, excellent point. I'm going to be shifting gears in a moment briefly. I want to ask you about the primaries. But before that, any final thoughts on this topic? Uh, no, I I, I think that, that really, it all. you know, you don't we, we, we did, you know, it, it's it's just very unfortunate. And I'm I'm among those, you know, it's like either Jonathan Greenblatt should take the organization back to its mission or he needs to let somebody else do that job and take it back to mission. The ADL has to be focused on fighting anti-Semitism and not playing partisan games. As much as Elon Musk's reaction, certainly uh, amplifying a tweet from a real hater is really, a, of, of course, it's a huge problem. But we cannot lose sight of the fact that this would not have happened if the ADL had not gone after Elon Musk in the first place. But all he wanted to do was promote free speech. We as Jews should know better than to be promoting censorship. Free speech is definitely something, you know, we do not want them to censor because they will inevitably come for the Jews. I really appreciate your perspective on this, your clarity, your brutal honesty, your objectivity very, very much. And we we have to be hearing more of this. this your messaging, as far as I'm concerned, is spot on, makes perfect sense. And I think it's going to be very beneficial to the community. Like I said, I do want to ask you, primary season is underway. And I don't know how much the CJV gets involved in endorsement of candidates or that sort of thing. But on the one hand, we have obviously Trump with a commanding lead, dominating as always, embroiled in controversy, as we would expect. Trump, we've discussed this. He, there's no question he's been a good friend to the Jews. Doesn't mean you have to love everything he's done. But, uh, you know, he's certainly somebody who I think we have to have a lot of appreciation for. On the other hand, Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley, there's a lot of very strong candidates who are big friends, not just of Israel, but friends of the Jewish community, uh, endorse our values, appreciate, you know, the uh, the value that we inject to society as from Jews in America, let's say. So I'm curious if you have any thoughts on the primaries, the candidates or any of that. Well, first of all, Coalition for Jewish Values is a 501c3. We're a nonprofit no. and our IRS tax exemption depends on us not endorsing candidates. Uh, that's not a business we play in. We're allowed to tell you that Ilan Omar is an anti-Semite. We're not allowed to tell you not to vote for the anti-Semite. If you want to vote for the anti-Semite, hey, Bafakasha, it's a free country. <laughs> you know, that's that's how it works. Um, but, you know, so when it comes to uh, the candidates, I mean, obviously I can tell you personally, uh, there, there are a lot of people there who are friends to our community, obviously, who are in the running. And... Uh, you know, obviously, that's not always an indicator of future results. Uh, I, th I think that the Jewish community was a lot happier with Joe Biden 20 years ago uh, than where Joe Biden stands or appears to stand today, at yes. least in the Frum community or in the pro-Israel community, I should say. Um, it, you know, some there was an article recently by someone calling it a moral stain on the Orthodox community that the Orthodox community got behind Trump which obviously they did, certainly in the last election, like Lakewood was nearly five to one in favor of Trump. It was three to one in 2016. It was, and that was because he proved himself. That's not a moral stain. A, an election is a binary choice. Mashiach is not on the ballot. We're not, we're not voting for who is the biggest tzaddik. We're not voting who is the biggest moral model. We're looking for which person's policies are going to drag us in the right direction versus the wrong direction. 
And when it came to policy, there's a reason why the Orthodox community lined up behind Trump. And that's not, you know, that's not about a political endorsement. That's just explaining the phenomenon uh, that we saw and, and why it was that way. Now, do I think that the Orthodox Jewish community would line up behind? Uh, I, I had the opportunity recently to meet both Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley. Either one of them. I think if they get into the general election, you're going to see the and, and I, I think literally almost any of the Republican candidates. You're going to see the Orthodox Jewish community, which means to say the consensus of America's rabbis, because there's overwhelmingly more from rabbis than there are anybody else in the country. In amongst Jewish clergy, people something that people often don't realize is that the clergy are all very conservative, or at least overwhelmingly so, despite the ones who are getting in the media and getting all the big attention, or at least yeah. were before a CJV. <laughs> uh, but this is, you know. I think you're going to see the Orthodox community is going to support whoever makes it pass into the general. I do think this is a personal opinion, obviously, not CJV. But my observation is that the uh, the Democrats are almost campaigning for Trump. Uh, there were jokes about this when Alvin Bragg announced his prosecution, the very same prosecution that a year earlier he had dismissed as completely unworthy of consideration. You know, when they when they're going after Trump in this fashion, specifically a year before the election, now four different indictments. It doesn't actually matter if any of those indictments are credible, if any of those indictments might actually result in a conviction. Everybody on the conservative side is looking at that and saying he is being politically persecuted. And even a lot of independents are seeing that. So that's going to that is putting him in a very good place for the primaries. I think it's very likely to be a, a uh, rematch between Trump and Biden. And a lot of that is owed to and it may be a deliberate tactic, by the way, on Democrats part to make sure that Trump gets the, the, to provoke the Republicans to vote him in to be the uh, the primary nominee. I've heard people say it. They may come to regret it. And I'm not sure. I think the Democrats just despise him. I'm not sure that that strategy. But I know many, many, many conservatives have said it. I, your analysis of the entire situation is really, really great, really refreshing. Excellent, excellent analysis. Uh, and by the way, one quick thing I want to mention, uh, when you talk about the candidate who's going to be most beneficial for us, not not the guy who's the biggest sadic or the guy who has the best character. You know, when I was convinced of that, you know, back in the 90s, uh, I was not a fan of Bill Clinton, still not a fan of Bill Clinton. But the Democrats kept telling us, listen, we don't care about his character. Character doesn't matter because he was the, the man was a degenerate. The, the, you know, but uh, it, it's about policies. That's what they kept saying. And I, I gave it a lot of thought, you know, deep thought. And I said, you know what? Maybe they have a point. And, you know, and, and again, I wasn't a, a fan of Clinton. He, did, he happened to be have done some good things and he did a lot of bad things. But um, they convinced me, you know, and then they turned around years later and, and proved to be complete hypocrites on that note. There is the fact that, you know, the Democrats are the ones who claim, you know, we're liberal. We believe that everybody should do what they want, et cetera, et cetera. But the Republicans claim to stand for a set of values and they're not their candidates are not living up to those values. They, having the values. First of all, we recognize that nobody's perfect. Second of all, we recognize that politicians are certainly not getting selected for being perfect. There's no shame in voting for the one whose policies are the policies that you support. And, and you know, even before the Democrats made a big deal out of that. But you're right. They did. At, at when, when it was their turn, 
they certainly, and, and by the way, I, I think that most of the Jewish community, you know, we got to remember, we're not being partisan here. There was a big move towards Clinton, certainly in 1992, because George H.W. Bush was pursuing policies with regards to Israel that were very unfriendly. And I, I remember a Israeli commentator saying, I'm kind of hoping tomorrow that the bush will burn. Wow. <laughs> wow. Right, Megan, you're awesome. I mean, your messaging, your analysis of things, your take on things. More people need to be saying this. And I know they're catching on, but I really mean it. I mean, you're just listening to you is such a breath of fresh air. The, the voice of reason in a wilderness. Uh, tell us a little bit about the, the CJV, if you don't mind. And I'm so humble about it, too. <laughs> I can be, you know, not humble for you. No, I mean it. I really I love listening. I can listen to you all day long. And and you, you just you make these points and you're clear, so clear and you're not afraid to tell it like it is. Uh, the CJV, and didn't you hire somebody like this new uh, director of business development? That seemed like a big announcement. We have a director of development now, uh, Chaim Adler, who uh, just joined the team to specifically help ex- expand our base of support. This is where uh, your listeners can really come in Come to Coalition for Jewish Values and and support the cause, because there's no question that we need to grow louder and we need to be doing more uh, local at the local and state level. Coalition for Jewish Values, in, in a nutshell, came into existence in 2017 because rabbis in the in, in the total community recognized that our values were not being presented in the public sphere. And worse than that, what was being represented as Jewish values was just the opposite. And the Chil Hashem is unbelievable when reform rabbis claim to represent the Jews and the entire Jewish community and specifically oppose the actual values that the Torah espouses, making it that Judeo-Christian ethics, instead of being a united front of uh, what the founding fathers saw, where they actually looked into Tanakh and said, these are the things we ought to be doing. But they said, uh, no, this is a conflict. The Jews say this and the Christians say that. And so, you know, therefore, if you're pro-values, it's Christian and it's uh, a violation of church and state to have those policies. But it, just absolutely crazy stuff. So it was time to actually, you know, step forward. And I have tremendous respect. you got to understand the other organizations that, that, you, that the Orthodox community knows, uh, besides the rabbinic groups, which are there just to, you know, their membership organizations, they serve their members. We have advocacy organizations. But as you know, those advocacy groups are advocating for the needs of our community. And and that requires that they thread the needle. Don't take the controversial position. Right. Don't get into that fight when you have very liberal state assemblymen, especially in states like New York and New Jersey, who are willing to work with us on school transportation and textbooks and computers and other types of funding that's just appropriate for any child. Anything that they can do, you know, obviously it's much they're much better off when they don't press those people's buttons on other hot button issues. Uh, my job, on the other hand, seems to be to offend as many people as possible. And it's a job I do very well. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, Reverend Megan. As I said, your clarity, your wisdom, your passion, your courage uh, are truly, truly not to be believed. Uh, we're going to put up a link, by the way, so people can go, people can check it out, people can donate. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, by the way, I, I should yes. say, I hear outside the Frum community, I hear people talk about courage a lot. I don't usually hear from people in the Frum community that takes courage because most people in the Frum community recognize we all agree on this stuff. 
These are there are certain basic things. We actually stay out of the fights. If you can't find in Tanakh a definite position that all Rabbanim have to agree more or less. I mean, we all know what anti-Semitism looks like. We all know that anti-Israel smells very familiar. You know, we all recognize that the values like the the, the sacredness of life from, conce- you know, not necessarily conception, first 40 days, I get it. But all the way from there till death, the value of life, not doing euthanasia, uh, the definition of gender, the definition of marriage. These are things which obviously it doesn't matter if you're Hasidish, uh, including Chabad or Sephardi or Ashkenazi or, you know, Litvish, obviously. It doesn't matter. These are the values that we all have to hold because the Torah tells us to. Now, most of us are pretty conservative on things like, say, the Second Amendment, gun control, or not having mandates for COVID vaccines, things like that. But I, you can't open a, a, a Sefer Torah and say, you know, you should own a gun. Right. And certainly in England and Australia, where they are islands and they really can control what is imported, they have a whole different policy, which actually works. You know, it's not like in the situation in America. So obviously there, you know, you can't point to and, and say that gun control, this particular position is the only legitimate Torah Yid's perspective on that issue. We try to stay in our lane, which is things that from people agree on. If we're out of that lane, we want to hear from readers and your listeners, because right. we we ought not to be saying things that the whole Froom community doesn't recognize are true. I had not thought of it that way. That's an excellent, excellent. And I didn't encourage it as like an offensive thing, you know, but. No, uh, no, no. I meant, I, I understood yeah, it as a compliment, yeah. but I'm saying right. when right. all my neighbors who are Rabunna, who actually right. deserve right. the right. title and they all agree with me, right. I, I, I'm probably, it's all, that's very <laughs> courageous to say what they're thinking too. <laughs> excellent point. All right. Uh, thank you so much. I mean, what a phenomenal appearance. Rabbi Yaakov Menken, Managing Director of the Coalition for Jewish Values here on the Vin News Podcast.